I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chance. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for episode 5 of Scouted Says. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Connor Garrett as always and today we have David Shelley on. How's it going Connor and David? Good. Yeah, happy to be on. Yeah, I'm always happy to be here so uh, yeah, let's get going. <laughs> yeah, you know uh, Connor is pressed for time today. He wants to go get off to the football in the pub. So we're going to make it a quick episode for you guys. Just going to review a couple things we talked about last week. So that game of the week we had for you in the Bundesliga Bayern against Leverkusen and a 2-1 to Bayern Munich. What were your thoughts on that, Connor? It was a really good game and it really could have gone either way. I think Bayern obviously won 2-1, but I think if you looked at like the XG, like Leverkusen were uh, a little bit better, like not huge amount but like they created a lot more yeah it was interesting obviously your boy Kai Havertz got a I got got a full 90 and he was really impressive I thought and uh, I hadn't even really noticed like how huge he was uh, until he was sort of like muscling off all of these huge Bayern players off the ball so it was uh, that was uh, interesting and yeah it was it was a really exciting game one of the best of the 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 weekend I think yeah, there's all these 17-year-olds 17 17-year-olds 17 making their debuts or playing in top leagues across Europe. We're going to talk a little more about that later. But it's funny, we had a Twitter suggestion to talk about Kai Havertz, and then he plays 90 minutes. And the night before, I saw the build lineups, and usually those are pretty accurate. And he wasn't in there, but then he was in the first team, and Roger Schmidt trusted him. So that was good to see, I guess. Like you said, with those those expected stats, there was a clear handball at the end that denied Leverkusen a chance to have a penalty. The ref just didn't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, these things happen. Um, if the ref didn't see it, it would have been like they like Leverkusen were good for a for a point, but uh, maybe they didn't necessarily expect to go away to Bayern Munich and uh, take all three. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't think that it's too damaging for them as long as they can get back into the groove um, in the next week. And for Bayern, it's obviously a huge relief not to lose three in a row, not to drop points. Um, in what is an important game against a good team so yeah yeah it could have thrown them into crisis I guess a little bit David we're going to talk Liverpool I want to start with yesterday that League Cup game the 2-0 win over Leeds we saw some youngsters trot it out yeah um, we saw Trent Alexander-Arnold Obiagaria and Ben Woodburn who were the newest players off the conveyor belt at Liverpool um, but the one who impressed me most despite Burns goal was Alexander Arnold. He looks really, really impressive. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me was at the end of the game when obviously Burns really happy with his goal and whatnot. Trent Alexander Arnold goes over, puts his arm around him, and has a little bit of a celebration with him. And I did say on Twitter this morning, I think it was, that I was going to put my head on the line and say I thought Alexander Arnold was going to make it at Liverpool. And I think. Every Liverpool fan's dream at the moment is to find a new Steven Gerrard, especially in the wake of his retirement. So, to see a Scouts lad doing so well and acting so captain-like has got us all excited. But he doesn't seem to have many weaknesses that you can't really put down to age. Um, the only really weakness he has got is he's a bit he's a bit on the light side, but he's tall. Um, he imposes himself and against especially championship opposition. They're so physical and he put up really well against them. Yeah, it is a, a really physical league and obviously Leeds excelling in it. They're in fifth right now in the championship, but that goal, the first goal for Liverpool came from the old man Divock Origi, who, what, he's 21? <laughs> Ancient by the terms of those youngsters they're promoting now. Yeah, ain't, well, he's nearly, um, he's two years out of, until he's out of the scouted. 
So. Yeah, he was in the Hamburg last year, though. We got him. <laughs> got him in time. Um, yeah, no, um, I'm a big fan of Okariki. Um, I've, I've always voiced my opinion on him. I, I've always actually thought he should start over Daniel Sturridge because he just offers a lot more in defensive phases. And I think he's really underrated when it comes to um, his quality on the ball. He's so strong. A lot of it was made of how much he bulked up last season under Klopp. And he just came out of nowhere, came back from an injury, scored away at Dortmund, which is massive for him. I think he scored against Man United as well. Um, so he had a he had a great second half to last season, and he's filled well. He filled Coutinho's void a tad against Sunderland. Obviously, um, he came out of nowhere with that moment of magic that you'd be expecting from Coutinho. And that was definitely that was definitely a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that Coutinho is going to be out for what five weeks. Klopp did say that it would be until uh, January, but I, I okay, yeah, that yeah. Be. So yeah, that will get a chance for the those youngsters to play in midfield, maybe a little bit more. Um, gonna go back. Another one of our games of the week for you to watch was Valencia against Sevilla over in La Liga, and Munir scored. For Valencia, he's on loan from Barcelona, of course. Um, I, I actually, when I first got involved with Scouted, I profiled Munir for the old site. Um, and I raved about him. This was off the back of his UEFA Youth League. Well, I don't know whether it's been rebranded. It's been rebranded that many times. It was on the back of that. Um, he, he was fantastic in that tournament. He scored from the halfway line against Benfica in the final. Um, and I thought he may be the next big thing over for La Masia. It has There's just no no place for him at Barcelona. You no, it, 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 it hasn't. Suarez out of the front line. Yeah, th- this was before Suarez moved. This was when I was a very happy Liverpool fan. But ever ever since, it doesn't seem to have really kicked off for him. He's been made to look not the most technical. He, he does seem a bit like a graft of forward, a bit like Suarez. And I'm just hoping that at Valencia you can kind of prove me right <laughs> oh Connor let's go back to Bundesliga and Usman Dembele had the assist for Dortmund but they ended up losing to Eintracht at the weekend 2-1 yeah and they really weren't great I don't think I mean obviously the fact they played uh, such a big game against uh, Bayern the weekend before and the fact that they then had quite an intense game against Legia Warsaw in midweek which we discussed uh last week um it was i think it was always going to be a little bit tricky uh against an Eintracht team that have sort of slipped under the radar uh, they also have a few good players like Jesus Falejo um from his online from Real Madrid he's really stood out and he's just 19 uh, playing center back in his first like big season in a big league um so it was always going to be a difficult game for them and Eintracht is a, a difficult is a different place to 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 try and play as an away team um so yeah, um, Dembele, uh, I think yeah, he showed a few glimpses, um, having played really, really well mid- in midweek. But yeah, for, for Dortmund and the rest of the young players, it was only fits and starts uh, on Saturday. Yeah, and you got to give credit to Eintracht Frankfurt. They were in the relegation playoff last year. Now they're all the way up in fourth in the Bundesliga. And I know another guy you want to talk about is Aaron Seidel, scored a Bundesliga debut goal. Yeah, and I, I loved that. That was great. He... Um, he came on uh, for his pro debut um, in midweek against uh, Saint Etienne uh, in the Europa League and played about 10 minutes, but 
looked really handy. Like he made a couple of nice little passes. Uh, he's he's massive. He's like six foot six. Um, re- very physical. Um, but he's just got he's got a really really nice touch. So I was like, oh, we'd quite like to see him play uh, a little bit more. So we was sort of looking for streams for Dritter League games because he's been playing for their for the the second team. Um, he's been doing really well for the second team. Yeah, I think he's got four goals this season. So he's been he's been sort of the leading light for them. Uh, this year uh, he's obviously been promoted on the back of that and a decent preseason with the first team um, and yeah he came on he, he came and started against Hertha at the weekend on Sunday and um, he was probably one of the better players in the in the Mainz team didn't look overawed at his Bundesliga debut um, scored um, in the first half with pretty much his, like the first chance of the game that uh, Mainz had created and uh, yeah he, he just didn't look out of place for play the full 90 and I think we might see Mainz's next sort of uh, breakout player from the youth academy, which is uh, among the better ones in Germany. So it's um it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. He uh, has been at the club since he was uh, nine, so he uh, at the age of twenty now has uh, learned everything there is to know there, and it's uh it's going to be exciting to uh, to see that all come to fruition. I think. Yeah, definitely, and I think another team we talked about last week, Schalke. No fear, they. They've been on a winning streak. They kept that going, beating Darmstadt. And up next for them is RB Leipzig. So that's going to be a fantastic game this weekend. Of course, Leipzig still top of the league, unbeaten in all 12 games, leading Bayern Munich by three points. But that's it for the Bundesliga segment. Oh, one one more guy we talked about last week, Sardar Asmoon. I'm talking about him with Phil. He scored again for and excuse me for Rostov. In their win over Angie at the weekend. And I guess one one more order of business, sorry. Another youngster, Giovanni Simeone, Diego Simeone's son, had two goals for Genoa. They beat Juventus 3-1. You guys see any of that? They were pretty good goals. I was just laughing at Steve, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think we all were. Um, it, was a, it was a good result for Genoa. It was a bit, bit of a surprise, but yeah, very nice goals. And be interesting to see if... Uh, Giovanni's going to follow in the footsteps of his father in terms of being a successful player. So, Or of having a desire to go to Inter, because I know Simeone, the big news with him was that he would leave Atletico Madrid for the Inter Milan job if if they promised the right amount of financing or, or whatever. See, that's, but, that's true love, because like, they are so bad. Like, who, would <laughs> who would go over Atletico Madrid right now? Like, even, even if you're an Inter fan, like, you must think like, realistically that's a bad move. But, yeah, uh, there was one guy that I actually wanted to speak about um, who played well at the weekend, uh, which was Josh Sims uh, Southampton. Um, got an assist forty-one seconds into his uh, like Premier League debut for Southampton. Uh, yeah, I was trying to stream the game, it, it, and before I even turned it on, they'd scored. Yeah, and this is the part of the show where we lost Connor's audio after his flatmate spilled water on an outlet. I continue the rest of the show with David. We pick up talking about Josh Sims. That run as well, where he sprinted through the centre. I think he beat like three Everton players. Oh, got he by himself. The path of band. oh and gosh. yeah, last last pass he's got to make. He was there was a gaping hole. He left it a bit too late. Yeah, he beats like six guys, and then probably the easiest thing, looking at it objectively, to do square the pass and. <laughs> Just, just didn't come off for him, but it's really going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, um, and 
getting back to us speaking about laughing at Stephen Genovese about <laughs> this result, um, they or sorry, Stephen just asked us about Trent Alexander Arnold on Twitter, asking us, "Will he be the goat, as in the greatest of all time?" What do you What do you think, David? I know you're hoping. Uh, <laughs> I am firmly aboard the Trent Alexander Arnold coaching as as a stated earlier um I, he's he's gonna be a very good player i think i think i hope it's only early days at the moment um but i think nathaniel klein really should be looking over his shoulder i don't think this kid is here to play second fiddle for too long i, I certainly think that he is going to challenge klein because klein seems to get Klein's a fantastic defender. He's he's a really solid right back by all accounts. But if Liverpool were a bit better, I think he'd be one of the players that the fans would be angry at because he seems to have a brain fart when he gets into the final third. That's the best way of explaining it. He can whip in a good cross when he's on the overlap, but he can't beat a man to save his life. And Alexander Arnold's cross for Rigby's goal was just so good, and it kind of exemplifies his attacking talent. We've seen it at under-23 level. We actually saw it in pre-season as well, at senior level, where he can just... He's so... He kind of... I, I don't want... Liverpool fans make the mistake of comparing every young scout's talent to Steven Gerrard, but he did run so directly, just through players like a bathroom ramp in pre-season. It was kind of Gerrard-esque. Um, and I believe he did score as well, but every time he's played for the under-23s, he's scored, he's assisted. He has got the talent to even play in midfield, um, but certainly I think Liverpool has stacked a right-back for a long while now. Definitely. I mean, they won't be having to use Milner, I think, in a role like that anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, and then then we get a question from Lou at Bundeslu. Is Stephen Genovis going to buy a Liverpool shirt with Trent Alexander? Arnold on the back and I think that's self-explanatory I don't know if you guys have seen Steven's thread of the thousands of dollars he spent <laughs> on kits but I mean they're they're great hopefully he does maybe, maybe he will maybe he won't I um, think I think the only thing that will get in the way of that is Ben Wilbert uh, I think Lou is just a tad bit bitter that well uh, sorry that Wales' best talent is coming through our academy and not Arsenal just, just a bit <laughs> um yeah sorry the next question we got was from joe at tim sports is casper dolberg now overrated of course the young ix striker maybe not young ix because he's playing for the first team but he is 19 so he is a young ix striker he scored a hat trick a couple weeks ago that we talked about um did not score in ix's one no win over heronvin this weekend or, and he did not play in the Europa League last week. So, I don't know. I don't know how you can say he's overrated. He's 19. Yeah. it's A lot of people have pointed out with him. It's his variation in in the way he's scoring. He's shown so many different talents. It's not kind of one-dimensional. He, he rarely does look like the real deal. And I don't think there's any harm in saying that, especially whilst he's at Ajax. Um, I think too, people, too many people are jumping to call him overrated and too many people are jumping to rate him 
I think you've just got to take it easy for a while with players, especially in his position. Um, he's obviously going to have a dip in form. You know, look at Marcus Rashford, for example. He had this really hot streak. Um, the, the XG, the stat nerds, as Twitter likes to call them, were, were saying that he, he's, he's not that good. And it's not bad to say he's not that good because he's getting in the positions to score a good amount of goals for the eight years. He's just really hot on finishing. And now he's on a, what, eight match, I think? Eight match scoreless run. So... Let's just see how he rides out a bad patch before we start calling them overrated or rating them. I think that's a fair request, really, as what we should do for all players. Give it, give them a bit of time, take everything they do with a grain of salt. There are always some inevitable downs that follow the great ups. But anyway, it seems like Connor's internet has dropped or maybe he just had to get off to the football. So we're going to keep it rolling without him. And talk about a couple other youngsters tearing it up in England after we do some international news. So, Wilfred Zaha is switching nationalities. He's going to play for the Ivory Coast now instead of England. I think this is a good move for his international career. Yeah, um, he, he had two, two caps for England. I believe they were only in friendlies. So that's why he's being allowed to switch nationality. But he was the next up-and-coming thing in English football and... His move to United did stunt him. I wouldn't quite blame United because a lot of it is to do with players' mentalities and whatnot, but it's great to see him now moving to the Ivory Coast. Crystal Palace fans probably aren't too happy with it. You know, he's one of their best players. He'll be going to the African Cup of Nations if he's selected, and, you know, that's what I'm all about. Yeah, it could out. be a big blow, big blow for them in January. Yeah, They're already struggling. really going to affect their, uh, their survival hopes. Really, but it's it's following a bit of a trend. I I like to see players choose and not the inferior nations, but nations where they're gonna get a chance, where they're gonna be a star. And I think it's a great move on Zaha's part, and more players should be doing that because it, it is it worth getting the one England cap over the twenty caps that you could get from another nation. Yeah, it's like Alex Awobi playing for Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I hope Ben Woodburn goes to Wales. I'm, I'm, I back England. You know, I support England, but I really hope for the sake of his career. I'm not gonna say Ben Woodburn's gonna be amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but I hope for the sake of him, if he does make it to senior international level, that he does choose Wales over England. Because he's just got a chance to be a star and he's not going to the African Cup of Nations. So I haven't got any objections against it. Yeah, and Wales Wales really up and coming right now. And this is something we've seen a lot of um, players that could represent either Germany or Turkey have been going for Turkey in the past. But now and now some of them are committing to Germany if, if they think they can get the chance. But obviously there's a, a bigger talent pool available, harder to crack into that first 11. And also Benekophobi switching from England to the Congo. Yeah, but Benekophobi, you know, that, again, it kind of coincides with what I said earlier. You know, it's good to see somebody... He's, he's never going to get an England team, to be honest. No, exactly. It's, it's good to see him trading that in just to go and play for another country and represent them. 
Rather and he'll than... be a really solid player for Democratic Republic of the Congo. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think they've got Bakambu as well. They've got a Yannick Balassi. So he's not in bad company there in the Congo. You know, a, a duo of of Afobi and Bakambu could be solid against some of the less African teams. I'm yeah, you know, if you, have, if you have two two really star strikers, you could you could do a lot of damage. Yeah, you know, there's many a nation. I mean, look at Poland. Poland have just been not carried by Lewandowski because they're a good team, but he scored so many goals. Yeah, in they, they know they just they just have to stay organized in defense, and you credit them yeah. for that. But you get it up top to Lewandowski and Milik, or Lewandowski takes all the defense, and hopefully Milik doesn't miss the goal like he did a lot at the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love Milik though. Not as much as Steve. He has a shirt. <laughs> I think I think it'll be easier to name a player who hasn't been owned by Steven on the back of the shirt than it is to name. Yeah, he's collecting all the scouted guys. Um, <laughs> couple couple other ones that actually I think he doesn't have shirts of yet would be Tammy Abraham. He's at Bristol City on loan. From Chelsea, he has nine goals in the championship this season at the age of 19. So the lone, lone army is doing its work in the lower leagues. Yeah, he, he kind of applies to a couple of subjects that we've been speaking about, really. You know, he could be one that chooses Nigeria or England. I actually saw him in person last season. He came on late on against Liverpool. I think we drew against Chelsea at Anfield, and he came on, and he is... A monster. He is so big. He's him and Virgil Van Dijk are the only two players that have really left me a bit gobsmacked by how big they are. <laughs> Tammy Abraham is huge, and he kind of applies to what I was saying about Marcus Rashford as well. He's kind of on a hot streak where he's finishing chances that your average player wouldn't be finishing. Really, um, maybe he's being carried by a bit of confidence, but. He does seem like a very good player, regardless of the hot streak, as does Rashford, um, regardless of the hot streak. But it's it's going to be interesting to see when his form kind of levels out, where he's going to be. And it's interesting to see if he will end up at Chelsea, because he came through their youth system, unlike many of the lone ar- his fellow lone army <laughs> soldiers, I guess. You know, a lot of them are bought and loaned yeah. out, come back, and then sold for a profit, Torgan Hazard or whatever. And he came up through the academy, so I don't know. It's not like the fans probably feel that close of a connection to him because he's always he's been loaned out. But I don't know. We'll see how that turns out. Another one you wanted to mention: Jack Grealish at Aston Villa. He was man of the match the other week and is really, really coming into his own, dictating play as the number ten in that four-two-three-one formation under Steve Bruce. Jack Grealish is. He's a, he's a player, I don't know why, but I just want to see him do well. Especially with how, you know, he got caught on the sheet, pissed <laughs> on his back, and everyone just wrote him off. It was kind of, oh, there's another talent down the drain. I think Villa's relegation could be a, a, a good thing for the club as a whole, but it could be a good thing for Grealish as well. He could find his feet at that level and really, you know, promote himself to being a focal point of this Villa side. You know, when he came through, 
he was kind of the next big thing, but he never established himself, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, he started. He started really getting traction, I guess, in his career under Sherwood. Sherwood liked mm-hmm. to play him. He was yeah. young, and then last year was a huge disappointment. I don't know if you saw the. I think it was a Henry Winter article with Grealish an interview with him, and he said the relegation like really set in for him when people he had always seen at the club because he's from Birmingham. He's been there forever, mm-hmm. but people that he'd seen at the club workers he found out they lost their jobs because they got relegated and he was like, oh, this is like, this is real or I don't know, it just finally hit him. He's just 21, but yeah, like you said, the the parting, the stuff, I don't know, that's that's normal, I think. It's crazy how players can't go out and have a drink anymore. Yeah, people don't realise and it's, it's easy to see footballers through this lens of they're not quite the same as you are. They are people at the end of the day, you know, they're going to go out and drink. So It's the same with the Wayne Rooney stuff. You know, they're going to go out and do human things because that's society and the normal functioning human beings. But they're treated so differently. And as you said, with, with Grealish actually realising, like, wow, people, people losing jobs because we've gone down. And... People really need to realise this, that footballers do have feelings as soppy as it sounds. It's, I, I, I see it all the time with players being vilified, with whether it's like Simon Mignolet, um, who was constantly vilified. Every time the ball went back to Mignolet in the middle of the cop, the whole crowd was just, ah, every time... <laughs> He got the ball at his feet, and it's carried on to Carrius as well, whether it's accidental or not. But it's just putting unnecessary pressure on them. And I know the top players do adapt to that pressure, and that's what makes a top player a top player. But whilst they're young, you've just got to take it a bit more <laughs> easy on them and not expect results right away. Yeah, and that's that's with Villa this season, at least they've been now under Bruce turned it around winning some games and the atmosphere because the atmosphere of Villa Park the past few years was completely toxic and you can understand why the football was dreadful everything was awful but yeah new environment a league that's really suited for Grealish's development this year and then hopefully Villa go back up then he'll be the star of the team that you know and it'll be a really a really solid team that's all kind of the same skill levels I guess that was some of the problems with Villa in the past. I guess if you want to hear more about Villa, you can listen to my other podcast. But uh, <laughs> David wanted to talk about the Seattle Sounders. And I think I mentioned last week that Jordan Morris goal that was in the their first uh, conference semifinal game or conference final game against Colorado, the national semifinal. But they've, they've progressed through to the final. Yeah, and it's great to see Jordan Morris scoring the winner. I was, I was so happy that it was him of all people. That that scores them, and you know the hometown boy turned down Jim advances to to go back to the good old MLS. Um, but yeah, it's great to see how Joe Morris has flourished. Christian Roldan as well is playing very well this season. When he came through, came through the draft, and we're too short sure because obviously you don't see much of these players when they come through the draft. Uh, he went, he was okay, but. Now he's really come into his own. He scored his first goal quite a few weeks 
back, I believe, from a corner, and ever since then he's rarely kicked on. And him and Morris have created a bit of a bromance, and it's great to see. <laughs> yeah, his his goal against Colorado, it was the world end shot, and it was saved, but he followed it up, smashing it home. And yeah, then, but his goal, his goal the other night. Oh my gosh, that was yeah, that was incredible. So much composure, considering you know what that meant to Seattle as well, and it's it's great to see the club as a whole kind of kick on. You know, they were stuck in. Siggy Schmidt was the the great things of the club, but it was always time to move on. It was probably time to move on last year. I was. I was. If, saying if that MLS last year. was a was a European format league, then maybe not because they were always finishing really well in the league. Yeah. But of course, yeah. the playoffs. You have the playoffs, and that's kind of um, a lucky. Sometimes luck is involved in that format, but that's that's what happens. And this season, they were horrible the first couple months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, got that, rid that, of them, and yeah. That's the that's the beauty of the playoff system. Um, it seems. But it, the, yeah, the thing is, for, for this, like you're saying, the beauty of this playoff system is that Seattle has been one of the best teams in MLS since the summer. You know, it's not like they just got good when it was the playoffs. They'd been they'd been doing really well for a while. Yeah, they they, they started off slow, but they weren't playing necessarily. They had a couple of games where they were pretty awful. A couple. Um, and... They have kicked, certainly kicked on in the second half of the season, and as they were having this kind of resurgence towards the playoffs, I was kind of growing in belief that they could get all the way, just because they were carrying obviously the momentum through. It that wouldn't happen in in a top European league. Maybe they push for a continental qualifying spot, but yeah, that's kind of the beauty of the playoffs and. It seems a lot. I don't know if you're an American, but it seems a lot that a lot more entertainment based. I know the Premier League prides itself of being the greatest league in the world and blah blah blah. But that playoff system, it really does create such a good atmosphere in the playoffs. It's, I mean, ju- it's just like the promotion playoffs, and like yeah, well, I, yeah. I forgot to mention it was Zaha when he was doing so well in in the playoffs before he went to United. But yeah, it's they're always. There's more games than in the the championship playoff. Yeah, the the, the playoffs. I love playoffs. I personally wouldn't have it in the in the European league, but whether it's the NFL playoffs or the MLS playoffs, the great you know the atmosphere at the games. But the best always... team never wins. The best team <laughs> never wins the playoff, and that's no. why it's a bad format. That is why it's a bad format. Yeah, but I mean that's why we have the Champions League, and that's why we have domestic leagues, so that you can have. I mean, you can kind of say that. The Champions League is a bit of a playoff, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Is that? Yeah. It's at least it's a knockout tournament. It's not as fast paced as like an American style. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I guess you can say it's, it's impossible to maintain the momentum from the start of the Champions League campaign to the final. Whereas in MLS playoffs, like what we're seeing with Seattle, it's, a, it's been over a couple of weeks. There was an international break in the middle of it, but they're still hot. I'm I'm just really glad to see LA crumbling at the moment. <laughs> it really annoyed me for quite a few years, LA and Bruce Arena in particular. And I'm so sorry for your national team who've got him as the coach now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. I don't really support them, so it's, it's you, okay. You seem to love kind of outdoing British fuck ups in the way of Brexit, Trump. <laughs> Hodgson, 
arena, you know. Yeah, just one-upping them. It's, yeah, you're developing a very American good knack for this. <laughs> so American. Um, yeah, we, we just got word that Connor, his flatmate, spilled water <laughs> in the outlet. So he, he had a power outage, and that's why he had to leave the pot. So it's actually... It's actually pretty hilarious. That's but, a good excuse. Connor, that's a good excuse. Um, probably just sat yeah. in the phone. Yeah, probably. Watching Arsenal get probably beat. I'm going to be Mystic David and predict that when this goes out, Arsenal are out of the Capital One Cup. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that's a good place <laughs> to leave us, I think, for this episode. I want to thank you for joining us this time, David. And you can follow David on Twitter at Dare Copite. Yes, that's so, and yeah, of course, Connor Garrett at Connor Garrett, and I'm Jack Grimsey. So if you enjoyed listening as well, please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll make it easier for it to be found. And I hope you've been able to find it easily on both iTunes and SoundCloud, whatever you prefer. So let us know if you like it. Let us know what you want to hear about next week. You can always tweet us. So for David, I've been Jack. I'm going to thank you for listening to episode five of Scouted Says.